You're listening to the Apple Insider Podcast. Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast, where we discuss the Mac, iPod, iPad, iPad Pro, iPhone, and all things Apple. I'm recording a special podcast here on Wednesday, September 9th, with Daniel Aaron Dilger. Dan, you were at the event that Apple held today. Let's talk through that event. At the event, what was released? Uh, they started with the, the, the Apple Watch, which nothing really new came out of the Apple Watch itself, the device, the, the computer part. Um, but what, was, what I thought was most interesting about it is that Apple is really focusing on fashion elements and coming out with new colors for different seasons. So people who have already bought an Apple Watch um, are, are buying bands. And Apple's jumping on that and releasing not only a variety of different colors, kind of like how the iPod every season would come out with a different color. Um, this is more like people already have an Apple Watch, so you can buy new bands. They also did an interesting partnership with Hermes, the uh, you know luxury maker, who is basically reselling the, the same Apple Watch with you know, proprietary um, clock screen and some differentiating colors and their own leather bands, which are really nice. They didn't talk about pricing, but if you need to know pricing, you probably can't afford them. Yeah, given that it's Hermes, it's, it's definitely going to be some amount of money. Amazingly high priced. <laughs> <laughs> but worth it. If, you, if you've ever experienced a, a Hermes scarf or an Hermes leather product, you, you know that it is high quality. Yeah, it's the same kind of leather that they use in their other products, and it, they do look really nice. It has some really interesting uh, designs. And I noticed that the Hermes band was a two-tone band, right? There was a, the dark color on the outside with the lighter lining on the inside. Yeah, and Apple also came out with their own bands, leather bands. They re revamped them, so they're also a two-tone style like that. So they look nicer, and they've added some different colors in their Elastomer bands, and they came up with some new packages. So you can buy like the black, uh, the black watch with a black band, so it's all black. And they also came out with a couple new colors of sport watches that I think look nice. I think the regular sport watches look kind of like low end. And these are have a rose gold finish aluminum and a silver finish aluminum, which um, I think will be popular. Very cool. I want to keep moving. So the next announcement that Apple made, what kind of product was that? iPad Pro, 12.9 inch screen. It's enormous, but it's, it's very light and using it, it, it feels very light, and it's kind of an alternative to a desktop computer. It's kind of interesting that it's sort of similar in some ways to the Surface. Um, it's still an ARM-based computer, meaning it has Apple's A9 chip in it, um, which is quite a bit faster than the last generation of chips. It's almost twice as fast, which is a much bigger jump than the A8 was over the A7, if you remember. Um, and it also has a differentiating feature that has a more accurate screen, and it's might be used with what they're calling the Apple Pencil which is a touch-sensitive um, stylus that not only uh, registers pressure, but also tilts. So if you hold it uh, to the side, if you have it in sort of a pencil mode, it goes from writing a soft pencil to hard pencil as you push harder. And then if you tilt it on the side, it, it almost does a... It's similar to how a real pencil would work. Um, Adobe is also showing their tools for using it. You could do things like press it and do watercolors, and you're changing the amount of ink to water, and it actually, uh, as you put it down, it mixes with what's already on the paper until you tell it to stop doing it. So you get some really interesting uh, drawing effects. And then also AutoCAD was showing their app that does incredible uh, resizing, retouching. They were showing architectural drawings or maps or things like that and being able to do some really precise editing with, with the pen. So it'll be really interesting to see what kind of apps come out for this. Right. Should, uh, should Wacom be scared? Uh, I think they uh, target different things. 
but the Apple's implementation is really nice. Uh, I worked with a little bit. I'm not a I'm not an extensive user of pens, but it was very easy to pick up and start using. Um, the pen itself costs ninety nine dollars. It's it's not bundled with the device, so you only buy it if you want to use it. And it has a lightning connector on the. There's a cap over it, so you pull the cap off, plug it in the first time to set it up, and it pairs with your device. And then after that, you charge it by plugging it into. You can plug it right into the the iPad, and it will charge. Um, and of course, you could charge it anywhere else too. Brilliant. And after the iPad Pro announcement, what could they possibly follow with? In the iPad line? Well, in any of well, the lines, in any of the they did, event. They did um, make some other minor changes to the iPod line. The, there's an iPad Mini. They're still selling the 2, and now they're selling what they call the iPad Mini 4, which is basically a, a um, Air 2, iPad Air 2, and a smaller form factor. So it has a fast processor, and um, one of the biggest problems with the Mini is that it was kind of slow. And when they released the Air 2, they didn't have a kind of a the same thing in the, in the mini factor, and now they do. So they're selling the Air, the Mini 2 and 4, and they're selling the Air and Air 2, which are, remain unchanged. They could add some things like what they were demonstrating with 3D Touch, which is what, what they're calling. It works similar to, but not the same as Force Touch on the Apple Watch. And that kind of segues into the iPhone S announcement, because that was one of the major new features of that. Yeah. Let me, let me stop and ask. So... One of the things that I think I remember Tim Cook saying in this event, and I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it badly, is that this is their vision. The iPad represents their vision for what computing is today and in the future. Yeah, it's a great simplification over conventional computers. Um, there's some people for whom a MacBook makes more sense for a lot of things. I'm used to the windowing environment. I'm, you know, For me, when I'm working on an iPad, I, sometimes I feel kind of like I don't have enough going on and I can't do enough things at once. I think Apple's whittling away that difference. So now with um, iOS 9, you'll be able to swipe over and have basically two apps running at once. It's even better on the, the larger screen of the iPad Pro. Uh, it's fast enough to really handle it well. Earlier iPads were kind of simple, but that also appealed to a lot of people who, for whom a desktop computer is just too much, to, too much going on to deal with. And that broadens the appeal of computing to a, a larger uh, segment of people and also other use cases that where a computer isn't um, the most logical place to use. For example, you know, showing off a product in a boutique or going hands-on with a customer, um, sales positions. There's an awful lot of things to where a tablet makes a lot more sense than a computer, and we're seeing a lot of uptake in enterprise for that. And Apple's doing a pretty remarkable job of targeting exactly what, you know, the kind of the value of the market, like what, what is going to work best for those kind of tasks. And the stuff they're doing with IBM and Cisco are really reinforcing that. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I'd heard and sort of resonates with me, does it resonate with you, so let's see, is, is that the iPad is becoming a Mac faster than the Mac is becoming an iPad. Uh, I, I don't think they're trying to converge so much, is, but the, the feature overlap is doing that because the, the Mac doesn't need to get simpler, I don't think. It, there are some iPad-type features where you're kind of like single, single app mode and things like that where you're kind of working on one app at a time that does make the Mac more accessible to some people who wanted uh, a more iPad experience. Uh, I think there's more room for the iPad to become more Mac-like in the sense that you can do more. But there's a lot of things that you can do on an iPad that are simpler than on a Mac, but that makes them better. And one of, a good example of that is video editing. Video editing, to do really complicated video editing, you need to have a high-end Mac to do it. But for a lot of people, that's overwhelming. Um, and when you start using it on on the iPad, the, the 
even though it's simpler than what you can do in you know FileMaker Pro 10, um, what you can do in iMovie on the iPad is really incredible. And the speed at which you can do things, it, it just opens up a lot of things that um, don't require a computer, don't require a conventional computer. So I think the direction Apple's going with this is really interesting, especially for, for people who are mobile um, and musicians. If you're setting up a gig, you don't necessarily want to have you know, a whole computer there, but you can do a lot of things with a tablet that are, in some cases, more powerful because they're more mobile. Right. I want to talk about one of my favorite devices that played a role in this event. I have long been a fan of the Apple TV. I've, I've used every single model. I think I still own every single model they've ever issued, of the, and I love it. Now, I was on the fence because of the price jump. They, they had had them priced at $69, and now they start at $149 and go all the way up to $199. But there's it's, been a huge leap forward in what it can be. Yeah, yeah it's a totally different product. Um, I've always been kind of so much disappointed with Apple TV because it doesn't quite do the things I want it to do. And it, it's sort of a serviceable product. I know a lot of people who really like it, and Tim Cook talked about, you know, over the last several years about how, great he, how much he likes it. And it's like, well, I think it could be a better product. And it hasn't really progressed as quickly as other things that Apple's been more focused on. The iPhone, obviously, and even iPads. Um, and I don't think it's been updated for, what, five years? But in that period of time, what they've done is really revolutionized it. I mean, it's completely different. And it's not just an enhanced Apple TV. It does totally different things. It's really more of an iOS device than Apple TV has ever done before. Because previously, Apple TV was sort of a, um, an appliance. And now it's really like an uh, an iOS device for your television. Right. But before, we always knew that it was iOS-derived. It was a distribution that didn't have Springboard and couldn't have developers write directly to it. Now? Well, now you not only have the App Store, so you can do a lot more things, but um, it also has a, a really functional, useful remote that allows you to do games. And you can also use regular remotes, the made-for-iPod-type... Um, the game controllers. Game controllers. Uh, and in some cases, games will... Or, or apps running on Apple TV will also interact with you know, an iPhone or iPad or something like that. Right. If you're doing you a multiplayer game, the second player can use an iPhone as their controller, perhaps. Yeah. And so it's really a combination of a variety of things. One is it, there's a lot of similarity with Nintendo Wii and that you have a motion-based controller and it's not trying to be um, the high-end best graphics possible for a you know, high-end computer um, or a console like, you know, the PlayStation 4 or Xbox, whatever they're at now. Um, those are aspiring to be something different, where this is more solidly coming in as a, uh, it's still HD quality video, but the, the gameplay is closer to what you'd find on an iPad, which is becoming very impressive. And in addition to being able to play those kind of games that are um, fun to play and very motion oriented, it also does other apps. A lot of, there's been a lot of efforts over the years to bring the web to television, and it just doesn't work, because what makes the web good is the fact that it's computery. Right, the, the one-foot experience is not the 10-foot experience. Yeah, it's, it's terrible on TV, because TV has always been lower resolution than a computer, and it, it just doesn't really translate well. What Apple's done is, is not doing that. They've brought iOS native apps to the television, which is really important, and they've been working on this for a while. And you can kind of see some progress that's all been done in, internally with the apps that bundle with it, and they keep adding new kind of app channels. But what they're doing now um, is opening that up to third-party developers so that you have things like games, you have general-purpose apps that work sort of like websites, but they work well. They're much more like an iPad app. Things like Zillow for uh, shopping for housing. Uh, they showed off a, a Gilt app for online shopping clothes. Uh, there was also uh, um, Airbnb, things like that. So you can 
you can do things in kind of a, a wide scale. I think we're going to see a lot of business kind of apps where, you know, a conference room kind of set up where Apple TV has always been kind of a popular thing. Also education. So there's a whole bunch of different options for kind of apps that a lot of people can collaborate in front of a, one single screen like that that offers some really interesting um, prospects for Apple TV in addition to the more conventional, obvious thing of having it in your home. And I think, you know, just seeing it, it makes me think that it's going to be much, um, much more engaging for television. Um, and we're going to be able to do a lot of things that television just kind of broken. It's kind of like we're back in the days before iPhone, how t- smartphones were kind of useful. But there's a lot of things that smartphones just did so poorly that they're kind of frustrating to use. And the iPhone really changed that and made a few things really, really well. And then eventually got better and better at kind of everything. And so now smartphones are just so useful for everything. And, you know, the iPad kind of followed that up. And now Apple TV is finally getting to the point where it also has that same kind of broad uh, ability and, and um, wide open, anything developers can figure out how to do, it can be delivered and people can buy it. So that's really interesting. Yeah. So the Apple TV is a product that I would say is, is finally growing up. Let's talk about a product that is all grown up. I want to talk about the iPhone. Yeah, the iPhone, uh, the new 5 or 6S and 6S Plus. Um, they look exactly the same, pretty much, as the old phone, but there's a, new, a whole other layer of functionality. One is that it's faster, and I don't know if the 6 is really that pokey, but the 6 Plus, the original one, or the current one, feels pretty pokey to me. I, I don't know if I had a bad model or what, but it feels like an Android device almost. I mean, it's kind of leggy, it's kind of slow, it's kind of frustrating. You use the camera trying to get it to pull up. There's just kind of a hesitation throughout. So with the chip that's twice as fast, it's going to be great. But kind of the bigger thing is this new, what they're calling 3D touch, which means when you press hard, you get a different kind of thing. And generally, it means kind of a contextual menu that gives you shortcuts, for example, on the app. On the home screen, uh, the, most of the apps, you can do a hard press on them, and it will pop up different things you can immediately do. For example, you hard press on the camera, and it can, say, take a selfie, you know, take a regular shot or whatever. And when you tap that, it goes right to that mode in the camera. Same thing with maps. You can say... You know, drop a pin in my location, and it, it, it kind of saves you from opening the app and then doing this, doing this, doing this to where you want to actually do. Same thing with third-party apps. For example, Facebook or Instagram, you can hard press on it and say, you know, I want a new new post. And so you go right to that instead of going to the app and then navigating to that feature. So that's really interesting. You can also do that within content. For example, you pull up your mail. You can do a hard press on a, on a mail, and it brings up a preview. It works just like preview of the Mac. You hold, keep holding it down for, you know, another moment and it pops up into actual, you're looking at that mail. And it's, it's quite intuitive. It, after a second of using it, you kind of figure it out. And there's this reinforcement that comes with the Taptic Engine that says, you know, you're, you've hit level one, and now you've hit level two, where, where these behaviors are k- kicking in. And I think it will make it a lot faster to navigate. It's kind of like a whole other level of navigation on top of what we're used to. Yeah, so I kind I really of liken it to a quick look on the Mac, right? Exactly, yeah, it's the same thing. But it's the interface for getting to that. Right. So it... It, it kind of like exposes a lot of right-click type behavior on an iOS device where it's all touch. So that's the appropriate name for it, is the 3D touch. So of all of these things, and there were many that, that Apple blessed us with today, what would you say is, is the most important to you personally? I'm really going to like the Apple TV. Um, there's one feature that I really like in, in the new iOS 9 on the iPhone is live photos where when you take a photo, it actually captures before and after a little bit of screen. So um, when you are looking through your photos, you get a little bit of animation between them. And then if you hard press on it, you get this full sort of animation. So the example was, you know, little kids or something, you see this photo, 
you press on it and you see them actually moving. And that's really kind of an emotional um, connection to a thing. Or, you know, you take holiday pictures and you press it and you get some ambient sound and some motion. And that's not something that's never been done before. But it's really nice the way that Apple's implemented it. So it's just kind of always on. And when you take a picture, you get these sort of like live bits. It's kind of like an extension of burst. Um, every time I take a burst, I think, man, I, there's a lot of occasions where I took a series of pictures and I would like to t turn them into a, a little GIF or something. Um, so being able to share these live things, which Facebook is already on board to, to uh, support, I think it'll be really cool for people to see a picture that you, you, know, you touch it and it kind of comes to life. It's very Blade Runner. This, you know, they kind of showed it off in, what was it, 1982 or whenever that came out. But this idea that a photograph could have motion to it, um, it's really cool. And it's, I don't know, it kind of hits you emotionally because you're seeing this kind of real thing. And it isn't something that you have to figure out how to do or, or learn or anything. It's just, boom, it's just automatic. When you take a picture, it's now a live picture. Brilliant. Brilliant. Well, it sounds like an amazing event, and we're going to talk about it all more tomorrow when we record the regular scheduled Apple Insider podcast. Um, I need to do a quick ad read here. So this app podcast was supported by SoftLayer. SoftLayer delivers a cloud built for results. Your business, your applications, your computational workloads are unique, so you deserve a cloud resources that meet your specific needs. SoftLayer provides servers that are all on demand, all connected to the same open API, and all connected to a global private network. If you're not looking for infrastructure, you can benefit from SoftLayer infrastructure when you use platform or services for IBM Cloud. And all of our listeners have the opportunity to get $500 of cloud infrastructure by visiting softlayer.com slash podcast with a capital P. Dan, thank you so much for joining us and catching us up on all of the cool things that happened at the event. And we're going to talk about it again tomorrow on the Apple Insider podcast in deeper, deeper analysis. Sounds great, Victor. Where can people find you on the internet, Dan? I'm on Twitter at Daniel Aaron, E-R-A-N. And of course, I write for Apple Insider. And you know, I've been on vacation for a few weeks, so um, I'm going to come back and be riding up a storm. Brilliant. We're looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Dan. Thanks. 